Are you a non-native English-speaking entrepreneur who wants to take your business to the next level? Have you ever looked in the mirror and thought, if only I could speak the language better, I would be a lot further along? When I first came to Germany from California and started my own business, I asked myself the very same question. The common thing that stands in the way of us improving our skills in our business and language communication is fear. Well, I'm here to tell you that it's possible for you to improve your English and grow your business at the same time. I've created a method that is not only fast and efficient, brain-friendly and fun, but will also connect you with other like-minded entrepreneurs at the same time. It's a win-win situation. I'm Sharon Kuster, and this is English for Entrepreneurs. Hey everyone, hope you got some inspiration and renewed motivation from neurolanguage coach Ingrid last week. So what do you do when you have a successful offline business with plans to expand and a pandemic hits? My guests Brandon and Sayaka will tell us how they are managing to keep moving forward during challenging times. Today, my special guest, Brandon Godbold, is joined with his wife, Sayaka Naganuma. They are the owners of Kimono Studio Wasabi in Osaka. A warm welcome to both of you. Uh, thank you for having us. Hi. Shall we start off today by you telling us a little bit about your business, Kimono Studio Wasabi? Oh, sure. It's... Uh kimono photo studio that we run. Uh, we specialize in portraits, people in a variety of uh, kimonos and props. Great. And what, where do you get the kimonos? Uh, our kimonos are individually sourced. Generally, we get them from, I would say, like retired Japanese uh, ladies or people that just want to get rid of them where they've just been sitting around collecting dust for a while. So for them, it's kind of sad because they have this beautiful kimono that they bought and no one's getting to appreciate it. So we try to give it a second life um, rather than sourcing it at, at a big company or anything like that. That's really amazing. So you've got a client base of tourists from all over the world. How can a photo shoot with you enhance the experience to get to know and appreciate the Japanese culture? Well, with our studio, uh, we try to make every session as private as possible. So generally, we only have one client in there at a time. And since Sayaka is the one that both puts on the kimonos and takes the photos, she'll be speaking to them. So while she's putting the kimono on them, uh, she'll be talking the client through um, like what they're wearing, the culture of the kimonos, uh, any meaning behind the particular kimono they're wearing. As well as when she's posing them, she'd explain not only the pose to go into, but why, like the, the reason why certain poses are more traditional and the feeling they're trying to convey and try to put them more in the mindset of the Japanese people. So in this way, we feel that our clients are not only getting to wear the kimono, mm -hmm. but we want them to also feel like they've walked a mile in a Japanese person's shoes. Oh, what an experience that would be. Do they also learn the Japanese vocabulary for the kimonos and all that's in involved in creating the kimono look for the photos? Well, we'll, we'll speak about the uh, kimonos. We don't have like a set list of vocabulary or anything, but um, the kimono they pick out, uh, we might explain about it. So if they choose a Furisode, we might explain like, you know, what it is and 
you know, the purpose of the design on it or why this kimono has a different design than the other one. Or if they choose like a, like a type of fan or katana, uh, we might explain, you know, like this is called a katana, um, et cetera. So we don't mm-hmm. have like a set regimen, but we try to let it happen organically. So you can get a little bit of an education there as well. Yeah, hopefully they'll, they'll walk away uh, knowing a, a few new words and uh, hopefully a, a different, a little bit broader idea of what the, you know, what it's like to be a Japanese person. <laughs> yes, and the culture. Excellent. Immersing. Sayaka, I would like to ask you this question. Uh, how many different kinds of offers do you have in your photo shoot options? Uh, for studio photo shoot, we have mm-hmm. four different plans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which are basic plan and standard plan and group plan and also kimono model plan. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about those? Uh, sure. So the basic plan is where they get uh, a kimono that's known as just a homongi, but we call that a basic kimono on our uh, website. And then, of course, that comes with their normal fitting and uh, they get the shoot. But with this one, they get a choice of either having a print or a digital image. Okay. With the standard plan, with that one, they get a basic kimono as well. But with this one, we now include um, a digital print. So usually you get three digital images as well as a, a physical print to take home. Mm-hmm. With the group plan, it's fairly similar to the previous two, only they get a discount for the amount of people. So they'll get you know uh, one kimono for each person, and we increase the amount of digital images they get to five as well as they get one physical print to take home with them. Okay, and great. The last one, the, uh, the kimono model plan, that one is more for like an individual uh, woman coming in or, uh, or if you have a couple of different ladies that want to have more of a glamorous experience, that one we immediately upgrade their kimono to the furisode, and it comes with uh, deluxe hairstyling and makeup as well as a uh, full-size digital image. So we, we increase the... Uh, the um, the resolution on those for them. And then they get uh, one print with that. And that's per person. That's great. Would you say that um, what would be the most popular photo shoot option people purchase, Sayaka? For couples and families, group plan was popular one, but mm-hmm. also kimono model plan was popular among ladies because it comes with hair done and hair and makeups. Mm-hmm. Great. Are there also men that come for the photo sessions, individual photo oh, sessions? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, quite, quite often. Um, of course, the most popular request we get from them is they want us to make them look like uh, samurai. Um, <laughs> yeah. And Sayaka uh, is really good at that. We, we have the, uh, the cloth uh, kimono style that she uh, puts them on there and gets them a nice uh, katana, and then they look like they're ready to, to take on ninjas by the end. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, that's great. I love it. Do you also have kimonos for children? Yes, we do, but um, two years old and up. Two years um, old. Wow, they start <laughs> young. Yes, <laughs> they're cute. <laughs> is, is that the smallest size of a kimono? Um, we, uh, in Japan, we have smaller one, but it's really difficult to uh, do, um, um, dress, them. dress babies. So yes. Have it um, ready um, only two years old and up. Yes, that makes sense. <laughs> wow. Um, we talked a little bit about the vocabulary words. Could you maybe tell us a couple more that might be interesting to know for a photo shoot? 
Uh, sure. Um, the two common ones are uh, the two words for the two different styles of kimonos that we have available, which are furisode and homongi. And a furisode, that is the most formal style kimono for young uh, ladies, traditionally unmarried women. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kimono is characterized by its long flowing sleeves and usually has uh, much more intricate patterns in the you know, design on the front. And the reason why the sleeves are long is it's to kind of instill a feeling of elegance in the young women, which is kind of a subtle way to coerce the young woman to kind of move and act more like an adult and more cultured rather than a child. So it's a significant marker that they've become a, a woman and not, not a young girl. And then the homongi, uh, that's a kimono with shorter sleeves and simpler patterns. And that's usually for married women. And the shorter sleeves are meant to be a convenience for the wife or mother. So this way they can, you know, do work around the house unimpeded. So mm-hmm. you have the furisode, which is trying to attract the, the husband and the homongi where you're, you have the husband. <laughs> well, that's incredible. When you talk about vintage kimonos, how old can they really be? How, far, how many years do they go back for from the history of kimonos? Oh my goodness. The ones that we have personally, that that really ranges. We can have some of the younger ones that are maybe, I don't know, about five to 10 years old, so relatively new. And then we have some that I would estimate. Uh, I didn't want to ask the, the lady uh, herself. You never ask a woman no. her age. <laughs> right. But uh, I would have to estimate that at, at least uh, three or four decades. Sometimes it's uh, five or more. Um, and they could be as old as a hundred, although I, I maybe ninety years. Yeah, maybe ninety. Ninety, <laughs> but I, yeah. I, I, I couldn't verify specifically that one. Like I said, um, you know, at a certain point when you're dealing with people's, you know, emotional treasures, you don't really want to, you don't really want to step on their toes, as it were. Uh, but yeah, we they, they do range quite a bit. So I think the oldest one we might have might be closer to what about fifty years old. Um, Almost a hundred, yeah, maybe. Oh, ninety. Wow, ninety. Wow, 90. 90. Sorry, I I, yeah. I sit corrected. Uh, I was ninety mm-hmm. years old. Wow, yeah, so. that's incredible. Woo, very, very, very vintage. Yes. <laughs> Brandon and Sayaka, can you tell us a little bit about your background before you both decided to move from Florida back to Japan? Oh sure. Well, I grew up in Jacksonville, Florida, uh, myself, and. Around, I don't know, 2004 or so, I, got, I met uh, a friend that was Japanese and mm-hmm. um, got interested in Japan. So I came here to uh, study Japanese. And then uh, during that time, I met Sayaka uh, and we you know, met and started hanging out and dating. And then um, I moved back to uh, Florida and then we had about a year long distance relationship. And then, uh, then she moved to Florida with me and that's where we stayed and got married eventually moving back to Japan was that would be the end of 2010 wouldn't it 2000 beginning of 2010 beginning oh, no end sorry sorry end of 2010 yep end, uh, yeah mm-hmm. and so you've been there since 2010 is that right yes yes yeah okay great so how did you get this idea to start on your business journey together Oh, well, that actually starts with uh, Sayaka um, when she moved to, uh, to Florida. So she moved there um, and was with me and was studying English uh, at a university in Florida. And while there, she decided to take some classes in photography. 
And mm-hmm. uh, what spurred that was my mother had this old film camera that she had left me. Sadly, she passed away when I was a teenager. Oh. Uh, but I'd always kept that camera. But I felt guilty for having it because I never really used it much. Um, mm-hmm. And then Saka saw it and then decided to start, you know, using it. And she quite liked it. And I encouraged, I was happy to see my mother's camera get some use. Um, oh, yeah. And I thought she had a natural talent for it. So mm-hmm. I encouraged her to, you know, continue and take classes, which she did. And then continued to study during her rest of her time in Florida. And then when she came back, she started, you know, working part-time, assisting uh, some uh, some professionals in the industry, uh, taking kimono portraits. But these are more for like portfolios, like they're, mm-hmm. they're actors and actresses. Mm-hmm. And then bit by bit, she started getting personal requests, uh, at first just from friends, but then from friends of friends and then friends of friends of friends of friends <laughs> for uh, little sessions. And then after a while, when she was working in the industry, I, I thought, why don't we try it? And she was kind of, it, you didn't really enjoy the style at the more traditional uh, places. No, because the poses are already decided, some certain poses. It's mm-hmm. like, it's so hmm. Take you. It doesn't. You you don't see your personality in your photo. It's just set pose. So I didn't yes. really like it. So often that's the case, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. So she she felt it wasn't organic, and she and one thing that Saka really loves mm-hmm. and she does really well is capturing those natural moments. Uh, mm-hmm. So I I mentioned I was like, well, why don't we try it ourselves? I mean, what do we what do we have to lose? So we took our savings and um, decided to just you know took a leap and and jump straight in. And that's, we've been doing it ever since. You know, that connection that you talk about that you have with the clients that come to you and when you let them be part of the whole process, that's, that's a a really uh, powerful thing. It changes the whole image of the photo, doesn't it? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, uh, of course it, people start off, we, we have the, some of the poses we recommend them, but like I said, Sock is very friendly and while she's talking to them and very quickly we relax them and then we can start capturing, uh, you know, what they're really there for, which is, you know, taking a memory and freezing it in time, you know, mm-hmm. so they get the combined enjoying experiencing the culture with, you know, their own personal connection to it. Yes. Uh, Saga, Saga has which... a great story about that. Oh, okay. We're uh, going I, to get, you want to share that now? Oh, no, 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 no. Whenever you're ready. <laughs> Is that the one coming up maybe? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Great. I got excited. <laughs> I love stories. I love to hear no your stories, but tell me first, tell me, okay, this connection's a really wonderful thing. And I wanted to ask you what, what you like most about what you do. Ah, uh, well, I think that's uh, uh, I think for me, what I enjoy most about what what we do um, is I enjoy the fact that I can see, like on a more personal level, I, I get to see my wife's talent shine. Mm-hmm. Something that I feel she's naturally gifted for, beautiful, um, and she's doing something that makes her happy, you know, and that makes me happy. And then mm-hmm. with the uh, customer base, I, I just really love how much they appreciate it too. Like they, uh, you know, I, I can see it in their faces and of course in the messages we get from them, how much they enjoyed their time with her um, and how they, it was, we often get comments such as it was their favorite, the, the favorite thing about visiting Japan. So that makes me, you know, really happy. Yes. Uh, yeah. The best thing for me is like, um, is a customer happy about the experience, happy about the photo, that 
was everything to me. Oh, very fulfilling work. Yes, it was. Wonderful. Thanks, Ayaka. Can you share one of the biggest challenges you faced in juggling your family and business life together? Oh, my goodness. So many. Well, so I'd say probably the biggest thing would be separating our business and personal life. You know, they often bleed together. Mm-hmm. And it's not always necessarily a bad thing, I, I guess. But for us, we found that it, we were always working. It was, it was 24-7. And it often would lead to a lot of tension. Um, you know, we're trying to enjoy a dinner. And then suddenly we would get, you know, an email from a client, like asking something or, or doing a reservation. So we'd quickly drop what we're doing and work on that. Or when we were trying to go shopping, we were talking shop. I was making, you know, we were confirming with each other that I had booked, you know, X appointment or Y appointment. Um, and I was confirming with her, oh, have you finished editing, you know, uh, these photos or these? Mm-hmm. And then uh, and that, not only did that create tension, but we also had, we started getting an overlap into what we each thought was the other one's responsibility. Like I, there would be certain jobs that needed to be done. And I would assume that they were soccer's responsibility and she would assume they were mine and it might get dropped or, or not done correctly. So that was, uh, it was a huge problem uh, in the beginning. Yeah. Division of energy, <laughs> where your energy goes, right? Yeah, yes, for sure. How have you solved that problem now? Well, what we decided to do, uh, we had two big things that we did. The first was we set aside specified blocks of time mm-hmm. that were for business. Uh, we, for us, we had um, basically one in the morning, one in the evening to uh, you know, go over what needs to be done, what has been done, and what each one is doing um, at that moment. And then had another uh, meeting in the evening to see what we accomplished. Did we get what we needed to get done? as well as we created an official chart for the division of work of labor. So this way it was very clear. We have it printed on paper. What was specifically my jobs, what I was responsible for and what Sayaka was responsible for. And then once we did that, uh, it became much easier to function because, you know, barring an emergency, if that's, you know, if, if we got a message or something with the studio, it would simply have to wait until the next block of time. Yeah, And uh, once we did that, uh, we found that we actually, you know, counterintuitively, we got a lot more work done because when we were working, we knew exactly what needed to be done and we had more energy to do so. And then with our off time, we could actually recharge and be, you know, rested and, and ready for the next, for the next uh, sprint as it were. And enjoy the moment together. Oh yeah, for sure. What else do you do to maintain your work-life balance? It's going to sound also counterintuitive uh, and, and similar, but it's basically we had to learn how to put ourselves first. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, that's not to say that we, we don't love our clients or what we do or to you know, mitigate that at all. But what we realized is when we started putting the whole business in front of us, our health, our, our you know, mental energy, everything suffered. And then when we suffered like that, it also impacts our clients because then we can't be 100 percent there for them and the business Uh, yeah yes so what what we've realized is that um you know for all else like you know our our health in our and our standards come before anything else so uh before when we might take on far more uh reservations than we could 
I, you know, realistically do in a day, it, it would, you know, we would suffer and in some cases it, it might be bad for, you know, our, our poor clients as well. Absolutely. So now we, we've set aside, you know, certain blocks and then once those fill up, then that's it. That's great. Do you have any uh, physical exercise that you do regularly or meditation or any other mindset things that you practice, uh, each of you, on um, a daily basis? On a daily basis. And we have more like a, uh, a weekly basis uh, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, every, every week we mm-hmm. set aside one day and there's like a few hours that is for us to just enjoy sipping uh, coffee together and uh, just chit-chatting about anything. It doesn't have to be business-related. You know, we just kind of enjoy that moment. I Mm -hmm. guess it's a kind of meditation, um, but for us, uh, it it works well because this is our moment to kind of step outside of our own skin and just enjoy the fruits of our labor because, you know, what's the point of of working for yourself if you're going to be more strict than your your actual boss? (laughs) Good point. Good point. Yeah, that's great. So who would be an ideal client for your current business? Oh, that's easy. Uh, someone who is eager to experience, uh, you know, a slice of Japanese culture and someone who can bring a, a big smile. <laughs> oh, yeah. I like that one. <laughs> uh, and how do these ideal clients find you? You know, our, our biggest source of clients has always been the clients themselves. I'd say most of our clients are referrals from other clients. Uh, what we found is the best source of uh, clients and what always works for us is to just simply make each and every session counts, uh, mm-hmm. focus on doing what we do best, you know, and, and l- making them happy and let them enjoy. And whenever that happens, people are kind and, and people will talk about the wonderful experience they had and we always are, are grateful um, about that. We always show our appreciation to them. We thank them uh, when that does happen and it, and it keeps happening. So I, I would say that's, that's definitely the, the best way they do. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's definitely important in the world today, isn't it? That kindness and spreading the, the kindness uh, forward. Oh, yes. And that's certainly not the kind of uh, place we want to be, one that doesn't pay it forward any kind of kind there's there's so much to be negative about in the world we would rather put a little bit more positivity out there even if it is just you know for a few hours where people can you know forget their forget their woes and just step into another culture's shoes for a minute and just enjoy you know that's at least that's a memory and uh and that's something that even even years down the line hopefully they'll still have that they'll be able to enjoy talking about Yes, even I think just doing something different or changing things up a bit in today's challenging times with the pandemic, it's really uh, refreshing and can really re-motivate us to get back on track, I think. And mm. your business is such a nice opportunity for that. As entrepreneurs, we face a lot of challenges. Um, what would you say your biggest challenge is right now? Our biggest challenge at the moment is uh, actually holding ourselves back. We're trying to keep ourselves from charging ahead and reopening um, as soon as possible. Uh, We decided very early on to shutter our doors um, during this pandemic. That's not only for our health, but also our clients. Sock and I, we wouldn't be able to live with ourselves uh, if we put one of our clients or even one of their family's health at risk uh, by operating during a worldwide pandemic. So that's that's probably our biggest one is that we want to 
get back into it. We want to continue doing uh, what we're doing, but we know realistically the the best thing to do right now is to do you know to just stay closed until until things get better. So this was a chance for you to to take a closer look at what you want to do, and I wanted to ask you what what your big goal would be over the next twelve months. Well, our big goal the next twelve months is to uh, finish some new studio ideas uh, that we have and have had for a long time, and and be ready to implement them. Um, so with all this downtime, we decided to use it to our advantage and just kind of, you know, take a step back and analyze our business um, mm-hmm. and look at the things that we thought worked best, things that we think need improvement, things we should, you know, get rid of, and even some new features. So uh, we're looking at, you know, uh, getting some new kimonos as well as some, you know, new photography techniques. We even are talking about a new workflow that hopefully would uh, make the process even easier and smoother for um, our customers, um, as well as we're scouting out uh, a new location. It's, uh, or our old location was uh, very nice. We, we, we loved it there, but uh, I guess, fortunately, um, we quickly outgrew it. We found that we get too busy for that place. So we, we need a bigger place. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Have you added any staff over the last few years to your, your uh, studio? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Okay. Uh, but unfortunately, we have had to let them go during this time. Um, we, was, we were really emotional about that, uh, but we spoke to them and, and, and they understood. Uh, so we can't wait till we can hire them back. Uh, but yeah, as we grew, we, we needed, of course, assistance with many things. So uh, Saka had some assistance in the studio as well as uh, we asked people to help us with uh, data entry as well, um, you know, helping us organize things because if you've ever ran your own business, I'm sure you can appreciate how disorganized even the simplest of things can become. Um, and yes. everyone needs a hand now and again. Um, so, yeah. And yeah. is Sayaka, Sayaka, are you the only photographer there yes, in your studio? Uh, yes, I'm the only photographer there so far. Okay. I noticed you <laughs> talked about new photographer techniques. So I was wondering maybe if that would involve adding a photographer or two or the way that you're taking the photos, new, new uh, technology? Well, with some of our current staff that we've had, we have been slowly training to mm-hmm. um, become photographers. Mm-hmm. But one thing that we definitely don't want to sacrifice is our standards and the quality of our photos. And Saka and I, we, we take that very seriously. So we, it's going to be a lot a lot of time training um, to get them in. But yes, we uh, ideally, um, when we get back on track, we can resume training with our staff and then hopefully they'll be able to start taking over some of those techniques. But we, we don't let anyone behind that lens that we don't feel is going to, you know, represent our, our state of quality. Yes, very important, isn't it? Hmm. So what, uh, just a couple more questions. What would be the thing that could hold you back from reaching these goals that you've set? Uh, well, the big thing I think is Corona. As, as long as it remains, you know, the threat that it is at the moment, uh, we're uncomfortable omitting our client safety as well as our own will always come before anything else in our studio. So that's, that's the biggest uh, thing that I think could hold us back. Okay. Hopefully next year we will have a better situation. Yes, hopefully, but yeah. you know, better, better safe than sorry. Yes, um, absolutely. I would, I would 
much rather wait to see our wonderful clients uh, than uh, than to think that I expose them needlessly to you know to anything. So yes, understood. And what? How do you attract your business? I don't. I know we talked a little bit about this, but what is the main thing that works for you to get your clients coming into the studio? Well, as I said, uh, the uh, big thing is word of mouth. Um, mm-hmm. You know client referrals definitely gets the most of our um most of our business barring that people do find us on the internet you know we uh we keep a instagram presence and a facebook presence and we have had some people uh come in through there but i mean that being said i I would say nothing has been as impactful as the clients themselves yeah well i sure do wish that i could pop over for a Uh session well we can we can't, we can't wait to have you. <laughs> You'll never know. I might surprise you one day. What would you like to share with us today that I didn't ask you, Brandon and Sayaka? Ah, well, this is a story uh, that I, I'm, I'm excited to tell. Is it all right if I, if I tell it, Sayaka? Yeah. Okay, thank you. Um, so this is something that happened in our studio uh, a couple of years ago. We had... Um, one of our clients asked us uh, for kind of a personalized experience. So we were asked by them to set up a proposal because he was proposing to his girlfriend at the time to marry him. Oh. Um, and that's what he wanted there. So he wanted this uh, situation set up so that it wouldn't be, um, you know, obvious to her. So what we did is uh, we sat him down, like, you know, in a pose as mm-hmm. if he's getting on one knee, as if we were setting him up for something else. And mm-hmm. uh, while I was doing that, Sokka distracted the fiance and was getting her kimono straightened and set up for the photo. And then during that time, I slipped him the ring. Oh. And we just stepped back and let him take care of the rest. And uh, when he proposed, Sokka was ready with a camera and we were able to capture the precise moment that she realized what was going on and we got a picture of her genuine uh surprise and emotion at that moment and joy and he wrote to us later to tell us that that is by far his favorite photo of all time is that photo of him proposing and her honestly and genuinely being surprised um oh that is so heartwarming Oh, thank you. That's the kind of photos that we love taking, the ones where our clients are having a wonderful time and we can capture, you know, those those moments of real emotion. You know, it's a real memory now they'll have forever frozen in time that they can always enjoy. Cherished memory forever. Wonderful. Great story. Thank you for sharing that. No worries. Well, our time together is coming to an end. Is Can you just lastly tell us somewhere where we can send our listeners to learn more about you and your studio? Oh, certainly. Uh, You can check us out on our Instagram. It is uh, kimono underscore wasabi underscore Osaka um, is our Instagram handle. So at kimono underscore wasabi underscore Osaka. Um, You could also check out our website at kimono-wasabi.com. But that I'm currently working on with some maintenance, so there it may or may not, uh, uh, you know, be reliable over the next few months. Uh, okay. But definitely, our Instagram is uh, is no problem. Okay, alive Instagram alive. Okay, great. And you mentioned Facebook as well, right? Oh uh, yes, we do keep a, a Facebook presence uh, as well. All you would have to do is simply search Facebook for um, Kimono Kimono Photo Studio Wasabi Osaka. And you'd be able to find us uh, pretty easily. Excellent. So that's just Kimono Photo Studio 
Wasabi Osaka. Um, and also has some Japanese in there where it says Photo Stadio Wasabi. <laughs> okay. Well, it's going to be an exciting time to watch things as things unfold for you in your new business expansion. Thank oh, you so much for joining me today, both of you, and sharing your business journey with us. And best of luck to both of you in your new business growth. No, no problem. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Thank you very much for joining us. I hope you enjoyed the show so far. Stay tuned for more episodes coming up in the future. Hey, thank you for joining us this week on English for Entrepreneurs. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to visit iTunes and like and subscribe. And please tell your friends all about it too. Stay tuned next week for more fun and valuable tips on improving your English for business.